Good morning, good morning, and happy Sunday from the farm. Welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Soil, where we get to talk story and touch on topics about hydroponics and the farmers who grow the crops and creatures we need to eat. And I am your host, Shani Alfalfa Seed. Thank you for being with us on this beautiful morning. First and foremost, I want to thank those of you out there that have been listening so far and your reviews and ratings that I've received privately are great. They help me know where you want the show to go. So please keep those coming through. And it seems that you want to hear a little bit more about me. And last week I promised to talk more about some of my experiences after getting out of school, doing corn sorting, you know, putting corn seed in packages, and then finding a better job in the oil field. But real quick, since you got... But real quick, since I got you, if you could be so kind as to leave a review, please let me know what you've enjoyed so far or what you might like to hear in the future. And while you're there, don't forget to let others know why they should listen in too. So it is another gorgeous day here in Colorado. I tend to think every single day is gorgeous, uh, but I didn't always think that things were always so beautiful and bright and cheerful as you may hear in my voice when I'm introducing myself or signing off on the show there's so much positivity but it was very very different while i was an active alcoholic i did not see the world so beautifully there was no silver lining between everything there wasn't an opportunity around every corner which are things that i believe in our core to my foundation as a person now moving forward But down deep, I knew that putting corn in envelopes was not for me. As I alluded to last Sunday, I desired for more. I wanted to be a research assistant. And this place, the DuPont Pioneer location in Evans, Colorado, was focused on corn research and the variety trials that they were doing with those different varieties. Some of my motivation was to use my degree. And like many of us, part of my motivation was to get more money. I am fresh out of school, trying to get on my feet. So it made sense that I needed to, you know, build up some kind of reserve so that I could continue to move forward with my life. I found a job with a company at the I found a job with a company that at the time was called High Sierra Water. So around 2014-2015, the price of oil in the world changed. 
Northern Colorado sits over one of the largest shale deposits in the United States. Shale is a type of rock where we're able to extract carbon-based fossil fuels and turn it into petroleum-based products. It's called the Denver Julesburg Basin, and it sits right underneath where I live here in Greeley and extends northeast towards, well, towards northeast <laughs> from Greeley. So High Sierra Water is a really neat operation, and what they were trying to do was solve one of the challenges that we see out here in the oil fields that is resource allocation and resource use. So one of the things that they need in order to extract this product from the earth is water. <laughs> surprise, surprise, we need water. Water is uh, the universal solvent. We use water in pretty much every area of our life. It's not really surprising that we would use it to do work as well. For those of you that have read my book or are interested in reading it, I touch on some of the ancient uses of water and what we did with hydroponics in our early agricultural systems. Humans are extremely clever with what we can do. So from an overview, a general process perspective of what goes on in the oil field here in the Denver Julesburg Basin, there is this process called hydraulic fracturing. Now, without getting into the physics or technicalities of it, essentially what we do is we are able to bore a hole into the earth where drill a hole straight down into the ground and then we are able to angle that hole we can turn the hole much like a bendable straw and angle it along some area underground now we use fluids and varying chemistries to extract those carbon-based products and get those petroleum, the, the stuff that we're gonna turn into petroleum-based products. So there's essentially a chemical, mechanical action that goes on that fractures the substrate, the ground, and releases what's in there and it all comes back up the hole, up the borehole, under pressure, in solution. So this solution is full of everything that was went down the hole and everything that comes back up. Now where High Sierra water comes in is with that water component. What goes on in industry or what used to go on in industry is that fluid that came back out was partitioned off. It was split up into the different products that we need. And at some level, 
Once most of the oil or the desirable products are removed, what's left over is wastewater. The practice used to be that we would dispose of that wastewater. Now, there are a lot of different ways that it used to be done. We used to dump it into open pits. We used to dump it into the environment, but that didn't last very long, as you can imagine. And we switched over to this other method where we actually will use pressure to inject water back into the ground. So imagine that there is this giant block of Swiss cheese underground. You drill a hole down into this Swiss cheese. So you take that uh, bendable straw and stick it in that Swiss cheese. And then you blow water into that Swiss cheese until it fills up every single little hole of the Swiss cheese with water. This is saltwater disposal injection of hydraulic fracturing solution. It's a mouthful. It's an engineering term, but we essentially are putting salt water back into the ground in areas where we theoretically believe it can sit without any repercussions. So I'm not going to get into the challenges that we see when you inject water into the ground under high pressure and cause earth to change where it once was. High Sierra Water again came in because they saw this challenge of disposal as something that they could tackle. Now, the founder of High Sierra Water is a gentleman named Josh Patterson. And Josh Patterson essentially adopted a wastewater treatment process to clean up that wastewater so that operators, so that people out in the oil field could reuse that water. And it's amazing. It sounds somewhat simple, but there's a lot of complicated chemistry inside that wastewater that, that Josh had to overcome in order to build a company that served his environmental vision that he had. High Sierra Water was growing in the area along with all of the other companies and were looking for employees, specifically wastewater plant operators, people that could operate this process and run his plant, deliver clean water to the oil field operators. We were selling recycled water. Now I bring up my experience with High Sierra because it was my experience at the University of Hawaii and most notably my research project that I did in April of, or that culminated in April of 2013, the biotechnical studies of aquaponics. The research that Harry and I did to optimize an aquaponics system 
by studying the dissolved oxygen. So when I went to my interview and spoke with Josh Patterson and his colleagues, it was a panel interview, he asked me about what it is I do. And I usually get oohs and ahs when I say I went to Hawaii. But as soon as that uh, wears off, uh, people tend to ask me, okay, well, you know, University of Hawaii doesn't have a well-known program in a lot of different science areas other than volcanology and astronomy, at least from an outside perspective. It's funny, we actually have a very robust biotechnology department, the College of Agriculture and Tropical, the College of Agriculture and Trop, the College of Tropical Agriculture and Human Resources has a lot of funding from the major biotechnical companies like Bayer, Syngenta, and others because they are interested in developing technologies that they can use and rapidly develop right there on Oahu. So without going down too big of a rabbit hole, because I'm trying to talk about water treatment, the major biotechnical companies that I mentioned, like Syngenta or Bayer, will do a lot of plant breeding on the Hawaiian islands because they're able to get multiple crops per year. So they put their resources into the universities that are located on those islands, if that makes any sense at all. So I got to be around some of those individuals and see some of the most advanced technology. Even one of my professors, my animal genetics professor, Jinsing Yang was one of the people that was on the team for cloning the first mouse. So it was pretty cool to see some of the different angles that I got to see and then be able to convey those at some level during an interview. I told Josh all about my research with aquaponics and he started digging in about the dissolved oxygen aspects and I immediately knew that I would have a job as a wastewater plant operator. Now, when you start a new career, you don't really know where it's going to go. And uh, mine sent me out to the middle of the prairie to this place called Briggsdale. Our location was nicknamed C7, Conquest 7. It stood for the seventh site that a company named Conquest started. And the site, yeah, it was literally out in the middle of the prairie. You could barely see the mountains, uh, the front range of Colorado from where we were located. And it was perfect because it's right where all of the oil field activity was going on. We were centrally located and where we, what we were working at or the place we were located was a facility where trucks would arrive full of fluids, oil essentially, and waste products, the wastewater, and they would 
dump it into tanks, and then the water would be fractionated, would be partitioned off into the different products, and then we would treat the wastewater rather than inject it into the ground. Now, I say rather than, but in reality, we were still doing a lot of saltwater disposal via injection. The plant was essentially a giant metal building. And inside there was the equipment and the areas to do all of the wastewater treatment. Now at this time in my life, I still was a bit uh, entitled and disillusioned by my education or the fact that I had a degree, uh, partially because I was out in the oil field and there are those individuals out there that have zero education and are extremely successful and uh, wealthy at what they do. And then there are those out in the oil field that have uh, zero education and are not wealthy. And then of course there's the educated people that are not wealthy. So there's all of this different mix and my entitlement was still there a bit. And I say that from the perspective that my first day on the job, I was tasked with doing some laborious things. I had a lot of hard work that I thought was, you know, at the time beneath me, but later learned was actually just part of getting the job done. And it was something that you had to do. So the first two things I had to do on my day, first day, 12 hour shift in the Colorado summer on the prairie. So context, it is hot, it is dry, and it is windy on a Colorado prairie during the summer. Pretty standard. So oil field attire the clothes that we wear are long sleeve jeans and they are fire retardant treated material meaning they don't breathe very well we're wearing hard hat we're wearing safety equipment gloves goggles and possibly uh, a smock when we were doing the second task that i was assigned to do now i didn't know it at that moment but the individual who tasked me to do the job would later become one of my greatest mentors and would become a good friend for a bit of our time while working at the wastewater treatment plants. One of the lead operators was in charge the day that I showed up. His name was Noel Huber. And he tasked this other guy and I to take apart a pump. We had to take apart a double diaphragm pump because it wasn't working and figure it out, clean it up, fix it, get it back working for him without much instruction other than this is what you need to do and this is what the results we are looking for. So we spent a good half of our day taking apart a pump. Now, this wasn't a new pump. This was a old, dirty pump full of nasty, oily water. So day one, first half, covered in 
Mock. We eat lunch together, the new guy and I. The new guy's name is Brock. I like to be uh, mindful that I'm talking about another human as well. So Brock and I take our lunch by ourselves because the only two we knew were each other. Then after lunch and putting the pump finally together and passing inspection, thankfully, we were tasked to use a machine that I fell in love with called a Hotsi. So for those that know that word, you probably had similar reactions I did the first time I used it. A Hotsi is a pressure washer and many Hotsis, most Hotsis are heated. You can heat the water up to near boiling and even above boiling and it is probably one of the best pressure washers on earth. Now, I say that with a little bit of pause because I later worked for the parent company of Hotsi, which is kind of funny. I never knew that. But years later, I was a sales engineer for Karcher. Water treatment plants get wet. That is something that you probably didn't know, but they also need to be clean. They need to stay clean all the time. Wastewater plants are a little bit different, but municipal water plants, the water that we drink, 100% high standards. We have to be cleaning consistently. There's an adage it says in the water treatment world, and probably for some of those out there as well, if you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean. We washed pipes, we washed tanks, and thankfully this high pressure hot water cleans amazingly. And you can even put soap in some of these things, detergent of some kind, if you really, really need to have extra cleaning power. So we spent six hours pressure washing a water treatment plant. We actually spent the next two or three hours the next day finishing up what we didn't know we didn't do. This gentleman, Noel, took notice quite quickly of our hard work and he took Brock and I under his wing. We spent our first few weeks figuring out what we needed to do and the company was trying to figure out how to divide up the different crews. And eventually I was invited to work with Noel during night shifts. Much of what I learned about water treatment came from Noel Huber. Noel has experience in wastewater treatment in a lot of different areas, but the ones that fascinated the ones that fascinated me the most were his experiences with wastewater with with shit water. I know it's not supposed to be explicit, and that's the only bad word we get to say as farmers on the radio or podcast. But he also did wastewater treatment mining operations at silver mines and gold mines and it was really cool to talk to him about these different experiences because he could look at the water in a way that many of us could not even the founder josh 
Patterson, and it's why he hired somebody like Noel. I remember nights being there with Noel, and he had some kind of sixth sense, which I didn't know at the time, and I can only see now that my mind has a lot more clarity. But Noel knew water, and he would spend hours staring at processes and listening and observing. And then within moments, he would direct me what to, or Brock what to do. And then we would go and, uh, you know, we would learn from it. Now, he wasn't always right, but he was patient enough to observe and then take action when he had the right information. Something that I loved about him because he was humble in his approach from the perspective that uh, it was an exploratory process with what we were doing. And I mean that in the sense that the water we were treating was never the same. On a day-to-day basis, it was similar, but on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis, the water was not what it was when we worked the shift before. So we were tasked and required to think about what we were doing and what we needed to do to fix the water. So I had to lean on my molecular biology background and other things that I had done in the areas of plant science. I value that experience tremendously because I was able to put that together with another brilliant mind in the water treatment world. Noel also was a personal friend at the time. He saw me struggling with alcohol and he literally saw me struggling with alcohol. I would come to work hungover. I would come to work drunk. I even passed out at work one time drunk he found me he woke me up he sat me down he told me what was up and he made me stay until i was sober enough to go home and worked with me to figure out how it is i needed to get the help i needed to to get now with all of his efforts i thank him and congratulate him for all what he did and I wasn't ready at the time to become a better person and it took a while for me to put the bottle down but I know as I look back in my life I can think of those interactions I had with Noel and reflect on what it is I wanted to do and be who I wanted to be and one of the most powerful things that Noel said to me was Essentially, if you don't get your act together, you'll never be able to do aquaponics. I was raving about what I learned in school and how I was going to take my water treatment experience and build a new farm. But he knew what was true about what I was doing to myself. It's those out there that are able to observe us from other perspectives that allow us to grow the most and grow more than we could ever know. 
So that is all I have for you today on this Sunday morning. If you've enjoyed this or any previous episodes, be sure to follow the show and give it some stars. Let me know what you've liked and why others should listen to so they don't miss out on becoming part of the next agricultural revolution. Join us again tomorrow, and thank you for being with us on another episode of Thinking Outside the Soil. Take care and have a lovely day. Hey, before you go, check out the links below. Leave me a rating and review and follow the show. Don't forget to get yourself some of our Blooming Health Blended Sprouting Mix. Our mix has been shown to get the best eggs and create the healthiest flocks. With feed costs going up, right now's the time to lock in a subscription so that you can get the best eggs without having to go to the grocery store or the feed store anymore. Check out the links below to get yourself some Blooming Health Blended Sprouting Mix.